Thank you, Marilyn. One of the greatest hymns of all time, How Great Thou Art. You can't sing that sitting down. Would you stand as we sing? <clears throat>
not a great song? Oh, this touches your heart. You know, you guys sing real well. <laughs> Maybe we just have a whole congregational choir. Would you guys like that up here? Yeah. Yeah, that is tremendous. Wonderful, wonderful. Giving praise and honor to God. Well, thank you for being here, part of First Baptist Church, Sun City West. And if you're watching online on our Facebook or on our website, thank you so much for being a part of this service. Come here today to worship and honor God. Numbers of our folks have been involved in Bible study and our fellowship time, and now we come together to sing songs of the faith, uh, to be encouraged, inspired, to see what His Word has to say in regards to each one of us, and allow God's Spirit to lead us, praying always for God's presence to be in our midst, so that when we leave this place today, that we are a different person, closer to Him, and challenged to the action that He wants us to take. So thank you for being here and being a part. If this is the very first time that you've been here and you've not already filled out one of our guest cards, we'd love for you to take the guest card that's in the pew in front of you, fill it out in its entirety, and drop it in one of the offering boxes when you leave. We'd certainly appreciate that. Emphasis today for us is our mission dignity. Mission dignity is a, uh, what used to be called uh, the adopt Annuitum program with our Guidestone Financial Resources uh, group within our Southern Baptist Convention. Basically, it's a focus on retired ministers or their spouses who are retired but weren't paid very well over the years, maybe smaller churches, just allowing them, about 2,500 individuals, uh, to have a supplement each and every month to help them buy groceries, get gas, do things that are so necessary that each one of us do. Um, my mom was a part of this program for many years. I think my dad, uh, let's see, she was alive 30 years after he passed, and, and uh, they were one of those. I think my dad made $862 a month when he, uh, when he passed away uh, while he was still preaching and had no health insurance. It was, uh, it was challenging in those days, and uh, so we have a good number of retirees that are aging in ministry that... The uh, Guidestone that Southern Baptists say, you know what, we want to help to supplement and take care of major, major issues. And so this is a Sunday that we've set aside, I think, through the convention. It's on the 26th of June. Our church quarterly gives money to, the, uh, to this program through our Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, but we highlight today to let you know that there are people out there that have spent a lot of years in ministry. And, uh, and at the end of the way, Part of the responsibility of God's people is to take care of them, those that are under a certain level of being able to, uh, to live and, and financial means. So uh, be mindful of that when you watch the video. You have in your bulletin an insert. Uh, we encourage you to give today, but you may want to pray about what to give over the course of, of the month. That envelope, uh, you could write your check out straight to Guidestone Financial Resources for Mission Dignity and send it in and get their information uh, constantly, or you can write it to First Baptist Church, Sun City West, Mission Dignity, and uh, we will send that in with, with the offerings that we normally do. Last year, our church gave over $18,000 to this fund, which was huge. Uh, we had a one-time gift that was very large, and uh, uh, maybe, maybe God would lead someone this year to do the same thing. But be mindful of those who have served you in all the places that you've lived over the years that may not have, uh, have been able to financially give to them uh, like many churches are able to do today. Well, let's join together in prayer, and we're going to continue our, uh, our worship with uh, 
the women of grace you are going to be blessed even more this morning father thank you for our time and our opportunity we are so thankful to be here and thank you dear god we appreciate your presence we appreciate the liberty and freedom that you've given us the generosity the grace the forgiveness the unconditional love and today god we gather to lift up our praise to you and thank you and at the same time be listening to the spirit as he speaks to us thank you god for your presence being here in jesus name we pray amen
stand still? For more than a hundred years, Guidestone has been on a mission to provide dignity to retirement-aged Southern Baptist ministers, workers, and widows in need. It was the heart of our founder, William Lunsford, as he observed veteran pastors and their widows in poverty to provide for these soldiers of the cross in their declining years. Give yourself wholeheartedly to the work. We'll stand back of you. If you fall in the work, we'll care for you. If you die, we will not allow your family to suffer. If you grow old in the work, we'll comfort you in your declining years. Throughout the past century, donations from people like you and churches like yours have met the needs of Mission Dignity recipients. These heroes of the faith have served steadfastly during their ministry years, shepherding churches, caring for others, and sharing the gospel. And I always wanted to have that as an epitaph for my tombstone. Passing through, he preached the word. From one generation to the next, Mission Dignity has served devoted pastors who were paid very little and were barely able to afford their monthly bills. And I have went to bed hungry because I want my bills paid. I've got to pay for my medicine. In recent decades, many pastors served and still serve churches at the crossroads of small towns, inner cities, and remote places receiving very little income. I didn't have a mega church, but I had a mega heart. Additionally, this past year has been especially difficult for recipients who found themselves sheltering in place in the pandemic. Isolated, lonely, and afraid to get out among people, even to go to church. As it is written in 1 Timothy, these laborers are worthy of double honor. The wonderful thing about giving to Mission Dignity is that 100% of your donations go to the recipient. The Lord uses it in a great and mighty way. Your gifts make a tremendous difference in the lives of God's choicest servants, and Mission Dignity serves them by providing financial support, sending care packages, making wellness calls, and meeting emergency needs such as medical, dental, and home repairs. I want to thank all of you who are helping us. Mission Dignity is essential for our survival in a better way. God bless you and God bless the ministry of the Mission Dignity. Give honor, give dignity, give today. Text MD Sunday to 41444 or visit missiondignity.org. God is stronger than Earth's vast expanse. Let's sing together.
to do that last stanza again a cappella as we focus on those lyrics Jesus your name is holy Jesus your name brings light Jesus your name above every other Jesus your name for missing last week, but it was a tag your it, and now I'm filling in for Bill. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you in a worshipful manner. We beg for your attention. We beg for your hope. We we pray that you will send all of your love, your mercy, your comfort, your strength, your healing to our land. We love you, Lord. We trust in your plan. We trust you to do what is right in our lives. Everything points to us to turn our eyes upon Jesus, to Pay attention, listen for your directions. Let the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us guide us every day. We have been singing hymns of your greatness. We sing, we sing hymns of your love and how we are supposed to share your love. We know that you're still working on us each and every one according to your plan and we are grateful that you sent your son as love to die on the cross for our sins that we might be free that we might be the the ones that you can send out to do your work on this let hope be our guide. It's not going to be easy. We know that. You've told us that in your word. It's not going to be easy, but there's always hope. You sent us. To, you sent that to us through Jesus. And so from 
your word, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. scripture reading for this morning is from the book of Acts, chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Please follow along on screen or in your Bibles. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas was one, Simeon the Nigger, Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. 
peace of the word of the Lord may he give us understanding hearts as we hear them today. Thank you so much. I love that song. Acts chapter 13 gives us a, a beautiful picture of people who are in a church, and a church that's worshiping, and a group of people who are listening to what God has to say. As I reflected last week and spoke to you last week about the term apostles, those who are called, those who are sent out, set apart. I always think about, on a day like today, our mission dignity. And representative of so many 
ministers through the course of the years who are ones who are called, sent out by churches across this nation that they are worshiping in, they're engaged in, they're active in ministry, and God touches their life. I spoke last week uh, briefly, I think, about uh, our Sun City West Spiritual Leaders Group that meets about every three months and how I listened to each of their callings the last time we met by just asking them to share and, and how God in every one of those instances that I could discern there was a particular point where God had called them. We look at this particular passage in Acts 13 and there is quite the sense of God's calling. The church is moving into the third phase of its life when Paul and Barnabas are about to be sent out to areas west and north. The first phase was done in Jerusalem by the group of disciples, apostles, who were in the upper room, and God used them mightily. The second phase was when the seven Hellenistic Jews were elected to serve the church to serve the needs of the church, also protect in the divisions of the church, to make sure that that church at Jerusalem was growing. The third phase came at this point, when Saul, who would become Paul, and Barnabas set out to go and communicate the gospel first to the Jews who rejected, and then to the Gentiles. This third phase was absolutely exciting. These, these missionaries, literally, as they went out, not only Paul and Barnabas, but others, they turned the world, the known world, upside down for Christ. They made a difference in a world that was darkened by polytheism, by the worship of, a, of an emperor. These Christian pioneers, they... They didn't attach themselves to anything. They, they had this sense of freedom. When God called, all they had to do was gather a few things, get enough money for the first leg of their journey, and then sail away into the morning mist because they were ready to go, whatever God wanted them to do. I think when we look at the circumstances surrounding this commitment to ministry, to mission, there are some things that we can learn today. Even within our senior adult church, God continues to use each and every one of us. We have to be open. We have to listen. First, I want to talk about the church of God. In verse 1, the scripture says that in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. There are two things that what I, I, I see in this particular verse. That number one, the church had power. From this point on, the church at Jerusalem holds the place of respect and prominence in the Christian movement. But it, the real power lay right here in the church at Antioch of Syria. You see, the Jerusalem church, they were fighting tenaciously to hold on to its traditions walking a tightrope between Judaism and the new faith that they had embraced. And in the process of their compromise, the Jerusalem church gradually forfeited its right to the forefront of the leadership. 
On the other hand, the church at Antioch. The church at Antioch, they achieved the right by giving it away. They thrived by risking. They gained influence by embracing a diverse congregation, a membership in a city from all over the known world. The church today, I believe, could certainly learn quite a bit from the church at Antioch. Antioch of Syria was north of Palestine. It became probably one of the most important commercial centers of the Roman Empire. It had a substantial military outpost there. It had a seat of Roman justice, and it had many commercial enterprises. It was a metropolitan of a city. In fact, cosmopolitan would be a better word for people all over the Roman Empire from every race, culture, passed through that direction. This international city automatically attracted people from all over the world, and some of those people came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And they enriched the Antioch believers, the church at Antioch, because they were diverse. They were diverse in their race, they were diverse in their culture, they were diverse in their geographic, uh, where they lived, and in their intellectual backgrounds. And here's something that I think is profound and something that I think churches across the country, around the world, should remember. The nucleus of the Antioch church, who was a mixture of Jews and Gentiles, they opened their arms and embraced this cosmopolitan mindset of people who had come to know Christ from all over the known world. What an amazing church to be able to go through and to say, well, let me just show you our membership. They're from everywhere, all kinds of backgrounds, but here is exactly where the common denominator is. They all have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And here at the Antioch Church, they capitalize on that kind of experience, that kind of understanding and knowledge from all over the known world of how are we going to launch out and communicate the gospel to Christ of Christ. So they had, they had power, the Antioch Church did. Also, I find that they had strong leaders. In the church, there were prophets and teachers. They were not officers. They were more functionaries. Prophets were those who preached on the basis of what they understood to be direct revelations by the Holy Spirit, their messages. They, they were direct, they were emphatic, and sometimes they focused on judgment of an Old Testament tradition. In fact, the Amplified Bible identifies prophets as inspired interpreters of the will and the purposes of God. The teachers, they had prophets who were straightforward, here's what the Word says. There were teachers who would have been people gifted with instruction both in the way of salvation but also in the teaching of Christian theology and the discipling of those new believers in Christ. We find that Luke begins to list some of these prophets and some of these teachers. Some of these strong leaders were Simeon, a Jew. It was Lucius of Cyrene, 
from Acts chapter 11 and verse 20, it seems like that he was one of the founding members of this congregation that had a vantage point of embracing everyone for the cause of Christ. Manion, who was a foster brother of Herod Agrippa, the Tetrarch of Galilee. And then there was Barnabas and Saul, who would be named Paul, right here at Antioch. These great leaders, they meant something to this congregation. Barnabas, in particular, his name meant son of encouragement. He was faithful in ministry. Uh, he was a Levite of Cyprian birth. In the early days of the church in Jerusalem, you remember, he's the one who sold some property, gave the proceeds to the church so that the common good could be accomplished. He was one that, uh, that went and connected with Paul or Saul after he gave his life to Christ. And he convinced the apostles both of Paul's salvation and his call to ministry. It was... Barnabas, who was the representative sent from the church at Jerusalem to the church at Antioch because they, there was a revival going on there. There was an explosion of the Christian faith and the church at Jerusalem wanted to find out exactly what was going on and they sent who? Barnabas to go check it out. And then after seeing God's mighty movement at Antioch, it was Barnabas who made the decision, prompted, I believe, by the Holy Spirit to go to Tarsus where Paul was and bring him to Antioch and it was Barnabas and Saul who would be named Paul that came together for an entire year to disciple the new believers, the exciting movement of God in that church at Antioch. It gave them a great foundation and a launching pad that the God has now not only brought salvation to the Jews who would accept him, but also to the Gentiles, and now the entire world is open to the gospel of Christ. Barnabas is described in chapter 11 of Acts as a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. I don't think any of us could do better than to have that description of us. A good man or woman full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Paul was given his Jewish name, Saul. He was called Paul right here. Paul was born in Tarsus. He was a Roman citizen. He was from the Benjaminite uh, tribe. He had a law degree from Tarsus. He had a religion degree from Jerusalem. His salvation came on the road to Damascus because he was there to persecute believers. God, through Jesus Christ, appeared to him in that bright light. His entire life was changed from that point. Paul became a respected apostle of a great leader in the church at Antioch because of Barnabas' helping hand. It's no, son, no wonder that, uh, that there was such great power and effectiveness that flowed out of the church at Antioch. They realized that with the strong men and strong women of faith, there was much God wanted to do with that congregation. And I think about our own church, right here in our own church, and, and uh, we're looking at at folks that are now in their retirement years but early in their days God had called them to ministry and we have about if my number is correct 16 in our congregation who either served as pastors um, as uh, uh, seminary professors as missionaries as um, as uh, employees of our Baptist convention or associations or wives of pastors who have passed 
That's quite a few for a congregation like us. People that have committed themselves to God. They, they came through that process. If we could ask them, how did God call you? They were, I'm sure most of them, if not all of them, were engaged in ministry at the local church level when God called them. The call of God. We have the church of God, which we find was powerful and had strong leaders. And secondly, we look at the call of God. In verse 2, he says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. We find that the call came during a worship service. You say God doesn't work in our worship services? He should. If we don't hear God speaking to us through our time of worship, something's wrong. Either we're not planning it right, or you're not prepared for it. God should always be in the midst of our service. So in the midst of this worship service, the missionary call came for Barnabas and Saul. They were there in church, engaged, having spent a year there discipling, and in that service, God began to move. You know, I believe God always works through his church. That's his desire. The faith passed on through the Lord's church is the undergirder of all calls. It is vital. And they were lifting their voices up in music. They were being taught the scriptures. They were praying. They were fasting, all as acts of worship. They were serious about what they were doing. It wasn't just for the church in Antioch, well, it's my duty, or i got to check this off of my list so that I'm right with God. They came because it was exciting to them. They couldn't wait to be there, and they engaged in every aspect of that worship. And God called them right there. We also find that the call was from the Holy Spirit. This revelation in the midst of worship was directly from God through the Holy Spirit. It's the function of the Holy Spirit to call his workers. We as human beings must never meddle in God's matter of calling. Sometimes I've heard, I've heard a guy say, well, my, my grandmother really felt like God, God had just touched me and I, I should be the next I should be the next Billy Graham, <laughs> or I should be the, the next minister to do this, or say, well, I really just didn't have anything else that I really wanted to do, and so I, I think this was a good path for me because I love Jesus. Those are not calls. The call of God is very specific. It's the Holy Spirit that speaks, and he speaks in a lot of different ways and through different circumstances and, and elements, but you know this came from the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 9, and verse 38, Jesus said, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He didn't say go out and find them all. By human volition, say, hey, you, you over here, and you over here, start preaching. No, he said, ask the Lord of the harvest. Pray for God to send out more. I was, I was reading an article yesterday. It said that uh, the average the average age of a minister right now across our nation is 55 years of age. Uh, just about, uh, I think it was either 10 or 15, maybe 20 years ago, I'm, I'm forgetting the time frames, the average age was 44. 
there's a grain of the ministers. Where churches used to have tons of babies in the nursery and growing up in the church, in churches across America today, it's, it's not quite that way. We need to hear what God has to say, but we don't need to do it. We need to allow the Holy Spirit, but he says pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. We need to be as a focused group as senior adults praying for so many boys and girls and teenagers and young adults to hear God's call, to hear the Spirit speak to them, to say, you know what, this is the time for me to go and to move forward in ministry. But it's got to come. It's got to come from God. I believe also that God's marvelous divine plan for getting his work done is done by his calling of men and women through the Holy Spirit in the midst of his church to go out and do that ministry. Also, we find that the call was for a specific task. It came during worship, it was by the Holy Spirit, and it was for a specific past, uh, uh, task. He said in verse 2, set apart to the work to which I have called them. Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. The meaning of the word set apart is to separate. Its emphasis here is on the urgency. It was very important to God that it happened now. It's not a process of, tell you what, I want you to head off somewhere and get all your schooling. The urgency in this particular case was, listen, I want you to set them apart right now. As you look back into, uh, into the, to the Greek language, you find that it's an emotional participle that is best translated, do now separate. Meaning right now, there's an urgency. Do it immediately. The church was to give up the services of Barnabas and Saul and to let them go and serve the Holy Spirit somewhere else. I'll tell you this, you know, it is hard for a church that have leaders that are competent and that God is using in powerful ways for them to say, you know what, I think God's calling me to be a missionary. I think God's calling me to, to go and, and, and be a pastor or be a music leader or uh, any one of many different kinds of callings where they go from here. Because churches, it's hard to find strong, good, faithful leaders. But this church, they were asked to say, give them up. And I want you to give them up right now because he has a work for them to do and it needs to be done now the scripture goes on to say to the work to which I have called them and I think one of the best translations is the work I have called them myself in other words it's not just some other movement but I have a plan for them and they need to go now and as a church you need to support them and you need to encourage them, and you need to help them. What is that work? Well, Acts chapter 9 and verse 15 is one of several verses I want to read to talk about what the work was that God had prepared Saul and Barnabas for and what they needed to do immediately. Verse 15 in Acts chapter 9 says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man, talking about Saul, my, is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. That's when Ananias said, wait a second, Lord, uh, I've heard about this Saul guy. He's out to kill, to persecute Christians. I don't think I want to go and be around him. And God said, listen, Ananias, go. I have a work for him 
And he defined the work to carry my name. In Acts chapter 22, verses 14 and 15, Paul said, The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. And you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. This was the message given to Saul. The God of our fathers has chosen you. What are you going to do? You're going to be his witness to all men. There's a part of me that wished that I could have been in Saul's shoes when he was told this because he says in this verse that you will see the righteous one. In my view, it's referring to Jesus and hear words from his mouth. That's why Paul said that I was an apostle out of season. I believe with all of my heart that those three quiet years in, in, uh, in Arabia that God spoke directly and taught Paul exactly what he needed to do. He expressed to him exactly what had to be done. Saul, uh, Paul talks about the, the visions that he had of what, what needed to happen. The thorn of the flesh was given him so he wouldn't tell what the future would hold as such. But it gave him the desire, the understanding, the perseverance to go through everything he went through in order to do this, to carry his name, in order to be his witness to all men. Acts chapter 22, verse 21, said, Then Paul saying, Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So here we have the plan. This is what he wanted him to do. In Acts chapter 26, verses 16 and 17, Paul shares his testimony yet again. Jesus is speaking to Paul on the road to Damascus. This is, this is what is being, being communicated in this testimony. He says, Now get up and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what you have heard and what I will show you and I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes Paul had this deep understanding that God had a plan for him and when Barnabas came to Tarsus And he said, Paul, there is amazing things going on right now in Antioch. I need your help, your expertise. Saul had already spent that time with the Lord, being taught, and he was ready to go. And together they went and discipled the folks at Antioch as an understanding of what now needs to happen across the known world. Because Saul, who would become Paul, knew God wanted him to carry the gospel to be his witness of everything that he had seen and heard. Well, that we would be open to that. That even right here in Sun City West or wherever you live, that you would have an open mind and heart that when God prompts you through his spirit to say, you know what, you need to go speak to that person or you need to take on this particular responsibility that will be a witness Whatever it is, that you would respond as Barnabas and, and Saul 
especially when it means changing your whole life. But you see, they had the freedom because they had cut all ties with everything else. All they had to do was pack their clothes, get money for the first leg of the trip, and sail off. Just be obedient to whatever God desires. So Saul's work, called by God with the scriptures that I have mentioned, now included Barnabas, and off they went together. The very first missionary journey, unknown yet powerful. Well, before they left, we see the church that was exploding because they were communicating with passion through the power of the Spirit. They were strong, had strong leaders, it was a powerful church, and now we find that the call came, it came in the midst of the worship service, people were very attuned. It came to very specific people because God had called them, and uh, it was from the Holy Spirit. And then we find that it was a specific task. Do you know what the specific task that God wants you to do is? Because quite frankly, all of us who have a faith in Christ are called to the ministry of reconciliation. And we have particular tasks, spiritual gifts that God has given us to fulfill what he wants us to do. And are you engaged in that? Let's move on quickly to the commission of God. The scripture says that so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Wow. That was pretty quick, wasn't it? I mean, you know, the Spirit of God came down in the midst of the worship service and called uh, Saul and Barnabas said, and to the church, said, set them aside, get them going, liberate them, let them be free to go. We find that the church had a very specific task in this. It was a commissioning service, and they fasted, showing a willingness of God's Spirit to lead out. When, when, you, when you fast, I don't know if ever you, you have ever done that before, but when you fast, and you fast for spiritual reasons, it's saying, I, I want God to speak to me powerfully. <coughs> I want to be so attuned to Him. I'm willing to skip comfort, go through some uncomfortable feelings, emotions, or time because I want to be clear on what God says to me. And that's what they did. They had a willingness for God to move out. Secondly, they prayed, showing their support toward the mission the Spirit had presented. They were excited for them. I think there was this sense of awe, like, wow, as a congregation, we, we ourselves are so excited because God chose some in our midst to go, and we could be part of that sending church. That is exciting. <coughs> I, I got a, uh, from one of our international missionaries who have been to our, to our church in the last year, I, I got a picture over a, a uh, secure network. Um, and it was just a picture of her and, and one other lady, and they were there praying. And she is in a country that is about 98, 99% Muslim. And all she wanted me to know, she said, just for you, but God is working through her. We're part of that because we support the cooperative program, because we give uh, to the, uh, to the uh, 
a Lottie Moon Christmas offering because as she spoke here, we said we were going to pray for her. We were going to, to support her however we could. It's exciting to see what God does for believers who say God has taken people in our midst and sent them on. So this church fasted, they prayed for them, and secondly, or thirdly, they placed their hands on them. Now this was an actual commissioning service. It was an act of blessing. And it associates the church saying, as a church, we also want to confirm what the Spirit has done and send you out. And we want to commend you by the grace of God. It was not an ordination service to a lifetime of service, but it was a sending task because God was leading through the power of His Spirit. And I think this was symbolic of saying, let me tell you what, as a congregation, we stand with you and support you everywhere you go. And almost every church that I have pastored where we have sent out even mission teams just for short term, uh, before they go out, we normally would have them gather together at the altar and our deacons would come and they would lay their hands on them and pray for God to be with them. So the church had a specific part and also the Holy Spirit had a specific part. Earlier, through the Holy Spirit, he said set apart Barnabas and Saul. In verse 4, he says, the two of them sit on their way by the Holy Spirit. This is pretty significant, although it's possible to miss it. Here the church had commissioned them, but the church did not send them. They supported them. They encouraged them. They prayed over them. They commissioned them. But they wasn't in a meeting that they said, you know what, I think we need to send two people out. They were confirming what the Spirit did. Here we find the best translation uh, for this passage is that they released them. They let them go. A third translation is they set them free for this work. In other words, as a church, confirming, saying, God has called you. The power of the Spirit has come down, and we are releasing you by the laying on the hands to go and do the work that God has called you. And in turn, we are supporting and encouraging you every way that we can. Verse 4 states that they were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. It was a Spirit that sent them. We need to make sure that whatever God calls us to do, that it's the Spirit speaking to us and just not on our own initiative. When we do things in our own power, we can stumble and fall. We must not allow God's, uh, our, our desire to turn a deaf ear to what God wants. We must allow God's Spirit to lead us, to guide us, and to empower us. And so I think this is the case. The church and the Holy Spirit had a part in sending, but guess what? As individuals, they also had a part. Because Barnabas and Saul could have said, you know what, I'm not quite ready. I'm not quite ready to, to head off on the area of the unknown. I, I need to get all my financial support together first. I need to, to say goodbye to this person or that person, or we still have work to do here at Antioch. They were willing. The church had their part. The Spirit of God had their, His part. 
and the individuals had their part. And I think this is important for us, not only in the realm of us as a church. We may not have numbers of people that come from this church and say, I believe that God has called me to be a preacher or, uh, or God has called me to be a missionary. Probably not going to happen. I'm not taking it, saying it won't happen because we actually have one. <laughs> Head to seminary even as we speak. But how does this relate to us? When God calls us, and it may be in a time of worship, it may be in our time of our private worship, but when God says to you, there's a task to be done, and I want you to do it, because I've prepared you for it, I've gifted you for it, your church is going to support you in doing it, and so I want you to be released and go do it. Don't let anything else tie you down. It might be like uh, Ralph and, and Mary Hayes that uh, uh, for years have, have, for three months, four months, they take off and they go off on a mission. It, 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 what a great experiences they have had of saying, this is what God wants us to do, even in our senior years. God may have something for that for you, or it may be something right here in your neighborhood. It might be something in our community or through this church. But please, when God speaks to you, don't say, I'm too old, or I just don't have the abilities. Say, God, are you really saying that to me? And if he confirms that, my suggestion is to say, okay. And let us, as a church, come beside you and pray for you help you any way we can because even in our years the most important thing is to be directly in God's will father I pray as we move into our invitation that you would speak to us now help us to celebrate so many who have gone before us who you called into full-time vocational ministry but also father Help us to pray for the harvesters, the people called even here in the pews to a specific task. And help us to be committed to that ministry and that service. And God, help none of us to just be on the sidelines, to only come, you know, ever so often to church, but not really be engaged in your work, which is eternal. God, help us to be engaged in the kingdom's work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'd ask you to stand, and if God is leading you to join this church, I'd encourage you to come. If he's leading you to come to a saving knowledge of Christ, you come today. If he's leading you to a ministry service, let him speak to you right now as we sing. Take
seated if you would. I, I appreciate Barry Martin sharing with me how God, even in the midst of the pandemic and her not being able to be here much, how God has used her uh, to minister to people around her. And I can't give you the st full story right now. We don't have, have time for that. But I tell you what, what an exciting, what an exciting, exciting adventure if each one of us would be open and willing to hear what God speaks to us to do wherever we are. Uh, I wanted to share, as, uh, as Nancy comes up to give our life together, uh, I spoke with the, uh, the family of Jane McLeod uh, this morning, just before I came into our time of worship, um, and uh, they just asked that we continue to pray for Jane, asking for God to put his loving arms around her in this very serious uh, condition that she's in, and uh, pray for her family and those of her family who are traveling in for traveling mercies, and that's the that's the best update I can give you right now. So if you would, just pray for her. Yes. In each of our two lobbies, the small lobby as well as the main lobby, there are two sign-up sheets. Men, if you haven't signed up to be part of the men's ministry luncheon on Tuesday the 21st, it will be at Tivoli Gardens, and we would like you to sign up. There's also the movie lunch sign-up sheet. The movie, as you'll see on the back of your bulletin, is on Thursday the 23rd. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. If you would like to have lunch prior to the movie, that's a cost of $5, and we do need you to sign up for that. For those of you who are planning, bought tickets to go to Oregon Stop Pizza on Thursday, the bus leaves at 1045. So you need to arrive before 1045 and I know our bent is to arrive 30, 45 minutes earlier. So if you are one that likes to come much, much early, please just make yourself comfortable in the CLC, and when the bus arrives, then I will instruct you as to when we need to get on it. But it is pulling out at 1045, so if you purchase a ticket, bring it with you, and I will see you Thursday morning. It will be a wonderful time of fellowship and eating, which we like to do very much and also enjoying wonderful, beautiful music on the world's largest Wurlitzer organ. You will not want to miss that, but you do need that ticket with you on Thursday. I'm going to ask you to stand as Tino Krusen comes to lead us in our closing prayer. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for giving us a helper, Father, your Holy Spirit. We thank you for being our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 